Hey Saints, happy holidays. Hope everyone's expecting a relaxing Christmas break in the next few weeks. Today we have Dan Fang, former techie and now the founder of New Heights Leadership. We discuss a lot about what it means to live out work and faith and letting go of our preconceived boundaries about modern Christianity. Let's go. Hey Saints, happy holidays. Welcome back to the Saints of San Francisco podcast where we explore work, faith, and fulfillment. This is a podcast for modern Christian professionals. Today we have none other than Dan Fang, a singer, startup founder, <laughs> prayer warrior extraordinaire. We've been a leading CG for the past or community group for the past uh, two, three seasons, right? Yeah, like this whole year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's just been an amazing experience because Dan is so uh, intelligent, well versed, um, with with a wealth of knowledge in the Bible. Um, so it's an honor to have you on here, Dan. Dan, did you want to do a short self introduction? Sure. Yeah. No. Honestly, it's an honor for me to be here, Isaac. Thanks so much for having me here. Um, yeah. So, hi everyone. My name is Dan Fang. Um, I wow. I love Isaac that you introduced me as a singer first. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love Jesus. Um, I am. Um, yeah, I'm the founder and. Um, yeah, just kind of uh, director of a nonprofit right now called New Heights Leadership. Um, we focus on um, raising up Christian and kingdom-minded leaders um, in East Africa. Um, yeah, kind of high potential young professionals um, in Kenya, uh, Uganda, Tanzania, South Sudan, just that whole region um, to really step into their positions as kings and queens who rule over God's kingdom with love and justice. Um, so yeah, I've been doing that for the past couple months. Um, and yeah, I'm just so delighted to be here. Awesome. So is there a way we can find more information about your startup or do you have a social media page or um, anything where we can connect our listeners to your startup? coming soon <laughs> it's honestly i just stepped into doing it like literally a couple months ago so we're yeah. still working on like building a bunch of stuff out but Love stay it. tuned i'll have the websites and social media accounts and everything up very soon also okay we might be changing names soon so it might be a different name but i'll let y'all know for now you can probably look me up on linkedin <laughs> this is daniel fang on linkedin so <laughs> connect with me there i'm happy to chat more <laughs> awesome so find dan at linkedin um at uh, daniel fang right yeah or facebook or insta or whatever. <laughs> cool, awesome. So I'm super excited to get into the meat of things today. And we'll start off with this icebreaker question. Where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? Ooh, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> 2030, isn't that crazy? 2020 already felt like the future. Oh my gosh, um, yeah. Like 2030 is like, okay, farther in the future. Um, <laughs> wow. So let's see um so i guess i'd be in my late 30s by then um i think my 
ideal future would be i love san francisco i love the bay area i think yeah. it'd be awesome to be kind of like stationed there full time um kind of have that as my home base i think my heart is still very much for um a lot of the international development work that i do even like just you know this kind of new vein of work around leadership development so mm -hmm. i think that might look like me doing several maybe like extended trips abroad a year Mm -hmm. so whether that's like me like traveling to nairobi or you know wherever else in the world we might be setting up shop mm -hmm. um i do feel like this like new thing i'm starting on is something that's going to be for the long haul mm -hmm. so i do think it's going to be i'm still going to be working on it probably 10 years from now um so wow. and then we have you know a global presence maybe we're going to be in asia maybe we're going to be in south america wow. maybe we're be in parts across africa even here in the u.s so um yeah i think that'd be really Really awesome and just to kind of see that really um established um and impact a lot of people um and have like a whole you know network that we've built by then i think that'd be awesome um and yeah so i think that's kind of maybe where i might be in 10 years but who knows maybe it's gonna <laughs> be something completely different because god continues to surprise me like year by year yeah that's true. That's a good point. Any dogs, maybe, or cats, or pets Ooh, in your life? My or kids? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, maybe. I, you know, I've actually never really thought about getting a dog before, but at some point, I think I probably will settle down enough to actually get uh, an actual pet. But until then, I don't know, maybe fish. Some kind of living animal that yeah. like feed automatically feed them. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome! I'm glad you talked about your startup, and we're gonna kind of get into uh, the trenches for that as well, in terms of wow. finding out how you were inspired to start this and where it all came from. Um, I, I think I'm gonna go directly into um, asking you. Uh, about how you got from, you know, New Jersey, where you're from, and then going to Dartmouth, and then doing a lot of ministry work in between, and then ending up in San Francisco. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. Honestly, I will just say, I feel like God has just been like leading my life, you know, like there's just so much that you don't really realize what's happening in the moment, but when you look back on it, it's like, oh, wow, like that was so intentional. Wow. God had to make that happen in order for me to have, you know, kind of been in this place where you yeah. kind of see how all these different threads really tie together. So it's really awesome um, just to see how God has been moving and just like even the thing I'm doing right now, how like all these different pieces of my life, like are actually kind of coming together in a really cohesive way. So it's like, whoa, this is, this is crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I grew up in New Jersey, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, kind of grew up in a, a Christian home. My parents are Taiwanese, so like I went to like this Chinese church growing up. Um, so I think it was a really solid foundation. Um, and then going to college at Dartmouth um, was such a blessing. Like I, I think even just like me getting in was already like a huge blessing. Um, Cause now I look back and I was like, I should not have gotten in. Like, uh, <laughs> like the kids that are getting in these days are just like so insanely smart. And I'm just like, uh, <laughs> I think I just got really lucky. Um, 
But yeah, I think I was really surprised by what the, my four years of college ended up being. Because I mean, you know, when you think about going to an Ivy League school, I feel like so many people think about that as like, oh, wow, like this like awesome, you know, like intellectual or like academic opportunity. You know, it's like really, for some people, it's super career driven, right? Mm-hmm. Or for other people, it's really about building like a network or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think for me, honestly, the biggest thing that happened for me in my four years of college was um, my spiritual growth. Like, I I don't think there was anything else that was more important that happened during those four years. And I think there was just like a really kind of like unique set of situations and things that God brought me through my four years um, yeah. of college. But I think all that together was just like really like basically like humbling me as a person, um, humbling me spiritually academically like in all these different ways and then just like god like really rebuilding me in a way where it's like wow um you know i didn't even realize that god you could be like this you know like i didn't even realize that god you could move in this way and then just like kind of slowly being built into this person that's like wow i actually like value faith and like making decisions by faith i actually value intimacy with jesus and actually pursue that and spend time um, pursuing that and i mean i think i was really um, blessed with a lot of really awesome upperclassmen that i looked up to as role models you know people men and women who uh, of just such great faith you know Mm -hmm. where i was like wow you know like it's um they're not too different from me, right? But they've actually made these choices in their life of to really pursue God in these yeah. super intentional ways. And I think that really affected me, you know? That was mm. just like, wow, like, um, that you can do that, you know? That's a choice you can make. You yeah. know, you can live your life in a way where you surrender it and, like, give it to Jesus. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah. So I think after... I graduated, um, yeah, basically my first work opportunity took me to San Francisco. Even that was like such a God miracle because the first place I ended up working after college was this place called IDEO, um, which if you are familiar with like design thinking or like human-centered design, like that is like literally the like best place to go for like (laughs) thinking stuff it's like like people spend their whole careers like trying to build you know portfolio and like all this stuff to like try to like get a chance to like work at IDEO and like for somehow some way it was basically through like this like random backdoor way I ended up um, being able to like do like this fellowship um, at IDEO.org which is the nonprofit arm Uh of, of IDEO. And so they specifically work on projects, um, like this, you know, in design innovation projects, um, for the, um, kind of international development space, mm-hmm. um, to really fight and alleviate global poverty. So it's just like wow. super inspirational work of like, like, Ooh, like how do we kind of pursue innovation in global health or, um, like financial inclusion or, you know, um, contraceptive access, or, you know, all these kind of like big and important, um, kind of global development challenges yeah. and just, seeing like awesome ideas and like projects um being worked on for that so it was just an incredible opportunity so it's like of course i'm gonna come to san francisco for that wow. um, so that's kind of how i landed in the bay area 
Awesome. And shout outs to Gloria and Nancy. I don't think Nancy Silver's right yes. either, but mm -hmm. yeah, I heard uh, great things about that company and wow. So, so I guess the next logical route for that question should be, so, so you worked at IDEO um, after you graduated from Dartmouth in their nonprofit uh, arm and you're doing mm -hmm. amazing de design innovation work. And then from, from there, you ended up working at another tech nonprofit, and then now you started up your own nonprofit. So yeah. could you tell me a little bit more about how you've kind of worked your way from working at IDEO.org and then mm -hmm. going into building your own startup? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a long set of stories and experiences in between. Um, and yeah, I mean, I could really get into all of them, but I think that would take much more time than, than we have here. But sure. I'll just summarize by saying, again, I mean, I think life and this like journey that we're on is never a straight path, right? It's mm -hmm. never just like um, one, two, three, and it's like magic or whatever. It's, it's, oh, there's always going to be curves and meanders and places where you're walking in the opposite direction and you're doing things where it's like oh wait i don't know what i'm doing here or setbacks major setbacks um there's definitely been many points in between that journey where i've been unemployed um trying to figure myself out um just like in the pits of despair you know <laughs> like i can't do anything i have no worth i'm not no one's gonna hire me you know wow. it's like um there's just so much in there and um sometimes you end up at so there's like one point at which i was working at this um random startup in silicon valley um that was totally not the right fit for me mm -hmm. um but you know i kind of went into that experience i feel like really feeling like oh like i've totally got this and then it really wasn't a good situation and then there's <laughs> other things where it's like oh wait this on the surface feels like a really kind of empty or you know dark time but actually like underneath the surface god was actually really using that time to grow my character to grow my faith to grow mm. um just you know my spiritual depth um, so there's been a lot of that. I mean, a couple of maybe experiences I'll, I'll highlight. Yeah. Um, I remember, um, you know, basically after being at that really bad fit startup, um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I think it, after I left that place, cause it wasn't a good place for me to be, yeah. um, you know, I was really questioning myself. Um, that was, towards the end of my kind of initial stint in San Francisco. And, you know, I was really praying about what I should do next. And I actually really felt like God was calling me to move abroad. Um, mm. And I, there's a couple other options I was considering, but that yeah. was the one where I really felt like God was saying like, Dan, this is the one that requires the greatest measure of faith from you. Wow. Um, all these other things like, yeah, you kind of can, you know, maybe figure it out on your own, but the one that like kind of scared me the most basically and like felt like it required like the greatest leap of faith was basically moving abroad. Um, and actually at that point, I didn't even know where I was going to move. Um, mm -hmm. But I just really felt like that was what, the more I prayed about it, the more I felt like God really was calling me to do that. Um, and so I moved away from SF. Um, yeah. Yeah, kind of this is 2017. 
uh, and basically found myself moving to Nairobi, Kenya. Wow. Um, yeah, basically God prepared some really awesome opportunities for me there. But even the journey to get there was like filled with like a lot of <laughs> like struggle and wrestling. Um, and so I'll have to share the testimony of like how I got my job in, in Nairobi another time. But yeah. Yeah, it was just really, it, it re- I think it was really about surrender. It was like the moment after I surrendered and said, God, like, I don't need to know what's happening was yeah. the moment that God like really like provided um, and provided me with like the thing I actually would have really wanted the whole time. So anyway, I moved to, to Kenya in 2018 and that was awesome. Like yeah. it was just such a fulfilling um, professional experience. Um, and what I ended up doing there was I was working for a small design startup there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, very similar to basically what IDEO does. It's like design thinking work, um, but we were a much smaller firm. So mm-hmm. it's basically, uh, I was like basically helping to just like lead this organization there. Um, and a big part of what we were doing was also um, kind of trainings and workshops. Mm. Uh, so we're working with this leadership center there called YALI, the Young African Leaders Initiative. Yeah. Super exciting place. Like basically their whole mission is like raising up the next generation of um, leaders in government, in business, in civil society wow. um, for the African continent. Um, and when you're there, it's just so contagious, like this, like just energy and this like sense of hope um, and like change for the future. I actually remember like the first day that I was at the center there, um, I was just kind of like sitting in on a bunch of different, you know, workshops and classes just to get a sense of like what they were doing at the, the center. And like the one I was sitting in was called This is Africa. Mm. Um, and it was it was just like so inspirational because it was like basically talking about like, um, you know, the narratives that have kind of pervaded the continent of Africa for all this time, you know, narratives of poverty, of um, dependence. Um, Of course, like we also know like the history of like colonialism and like all the effects that that's had. And just like that class really kind of like turning that narrative on its head and be like, no, like we can be the generation that turns this around, Um, but we need to be that leadership that like steps that generation of leaders who actually steps into these roles and actually like pursues the things that we're doing um, with righteousness, with this sense of responsibility, um, with accountability, Mm. right. With um, just creativity, like really like pursuing kind of like, even um, ways of collaboration that like have never happened before. Mm. Um, And it was just so powerful to see kind of like um, basically this next generation of people like being raised up, you know, it was like so inspirational. I remember I actually like started crying because I was like, this is so awesome. (laughs) Like this is like, I've never, I've never been so inspired. Um, And I like kind of like stepped outside the closet because I didn't want to see people like want to have people see me like sobbing (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it was just i think the you know kind of really meeting those kinds of young leaders that they work with you know people who have um so much passion so much desire for change um who feel so much um 
sense of like responsibility, you know, to like taking care of their communities, um, to, um, yeah, really doing some awesome things. And also just to see a lot of them, like just like how much they've actually had to overcome yeah. to get to where they are. Um, I was like, wow, to like work with this, these people is actually, um, it's more of a, it's like my honor, you know, to be wow. like, wow, I'm being blessed by you. I, I, like, who am I to actually even be here to like teach you anything? Like, what do mm. I have to teach you? Yeah. You know? And so it was like, I feel like that was just like another moment work, you know, just really humbling. But anyway, um, my year that I spent there was so great. Um, yeah. Like, you know, I was basically, we were doing design thinking trainings. I'm um, just, you know, kind of unlocking the creative potential um, of these young African leaders. Yeah. Um, to, you know, just bring that kind of creative problem-solving, innovation, um, you know, empathy-driven problem-solving to what they're doing. Um, so that was really, really awesome. Um, so, yeah, that was, like, another kind of cool experience. And then basically came back to San Francisco after that. Yeah. Um, worked for another kind of really cool tech nonprofit that uh, is basically this online learning platform that works with nonprofit leaders. Um, so yeah, there's just been some, you know, kind of really cool threads and experiences that really come together. Um, and I think that's what kind of really has informed my perspective, even in founding kind of the current, um, organization that I'm leading. Wow. I think there's a lot to, um, unpack there, but I think you're one of the only people that I know who didn't go like overseas to do like a missions trip. I think it was God involved, but I think in, in your case, it was, you know, rearing this new generation of yeah. uh, young leaders mm-hmm. and, and, and giving them this um, idea of what they can do. And, you know, of course it has to do with like design thinking, innovation, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, empathy driven uh, creativity that um, helps them to become more well-rounded leaders. But I think that the part that got me most was like how you had to step out and, and really think about the, the gravity of the situation in the sense that like, this is a seismic cultural shift for yes. the entire continent and you being, you know, a part of that movement. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know, I think it, it kind of sent uh, goosebumps up my spine, just hearing the time. Oh, it was crazy. Yeah, literally. The, so the person who teaches that course, her name is Sandra. She's actually one of my good friends now. She actually ended up going to the same church that I ended up attending when wow. I was in Virginia. Yeah. Um, but so she is just like this fire woman of God, you know? And just <laughs> yeah. to know that like her faith is also what brought her to the center, right? And like, I think being in that class was basically me witnessing like her as like this like strong woman of faith literally like speaking truth into mm-hmm. this next generation of yeah. African leaders. I was like, that is the power that like you can be operating with, like when you're operating with Christ, you know? And wow. I was like, wow, that's, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, so I, guess, I guess all of this just foreshadowed you eventually going into uh, coaching, Right. So right now you're focusing on coaching young leaders. It's a it's an organizational leadership uh, mm-hmm. program that you're setting up with your startup. So was that fully inspired by uh, Yali? And kind of how how did you um, end up executing uh, and building out your your startup from maybe you know the vision board and to where mm-hmm. it is now? Could you talk a little yeah. bit about that? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, no, I think it was definitely, I think, you know, these are kind of 
all these experiences I've had in my life are, have been shaping my worldview, my mindset, you know, so it's, it's definitely been laying the groundwork. And I think, mm. you know, especially working with Yali type people was just yeah. like, oh, this is so cool. Um, and I think one of the things I noticed was, I mean, as awesome as Yali is, yeah. um, it's uh, still basically another leadership development program that's out there that doesn't touch faith at all. You know, I see. be like this is just true about so many different training programs leadership development programs that are out there of like sure you get a lot of skills development you get some really cool confidence boosts and mindset shifts and you get to meet some really cool people but all of them or almost all of them always avoid the topic of faith yeah um, because right it's just like oh it's a taboo thing we're not supposed right. to talk about it and there's yeah. different people of different faiths here so you know yeah. we're just not going to talk about it but the thing is is that like our faith is so critical right to, like defining our mm-hmm. worldview and mm-hmm. like actually um you know is one of the biggest reasons why we even do the work that we do right we're like just like how we go about um our lives in this world right. um so it's actually, I think it's so critical that we're actually, we talk about faith in integration with our work, right? Mm-hmm. So like even, um, you know, in this organization that we um, have been uh, working on, you know, one of the concepts that we um, really put out there is one kind of put out by this guy named Patrick Lai. He does a lot of kind of stuff with business as missions um, yeah. work but he kind of talks about this, uh, the concept of workship, um, of like your work also being your worship. Um, and it's actually wow. like, it kind of goes to back to this Hebrew word, avodah, mm. which is translated three different ways in the Bible, but it all means the same word. Um, avodah can be translated um, work, avodah can be translated service, and avodah can also be translated worship. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and it's all the same word. Um, so it's kind of this concept that like concept of that, like all three of those things actually can be like synonymous with each other. Yeah. Um, so how do we, you know, so it's really kind of like that, like idea of like integration, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not that like my faith is a separate thing from like my job or like the work that I do, yeah. but actually like it really kind of affects and defines why I do what I do. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, yeah. Wow. So I think that that was really something that I was, I had been thinking about. And, you know, there's also like a cool story behind, you know, just like when I really received that calling in much more clarity um, mm-hmm. over my life, um, basically involves me being on top of a mountain and like feeling like God was speaking to me and just revelations about my identity um, that he was really giving me. Um, and just to summarize, basically it felt like, um, what God was telling me that day was like, he was like, Dan, like, do you know who you are? Um, you need to know that you are my son. Mm. And I think the revelation of sonship is actually so important, right? Because it's not about how much work we achieve. It's not about how much we actually get done or, you know, what we can accomplish for God's kingdom, but our yeah. primary um, identity um, is that of a son is that of a child is yeah. that we are just loved and fully part of God's family. That is our primary identity. Um, but I also feel like on that day, what God was showing me was that as a son, because I'm a son, because I'm a child, 
I am also therefore an heir to the mm-hmm. kingdom, right? Yeah. And I have rulership over God's kingdom. And so therefore I am also a king in his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, with being a king comes this sense of, um, you know, like responsibility and also freedom as well. You know, yeah. it's not you waiting for someone else to tell you what you what to do. Like when you're a king, you get to define what happens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, how do you do that in a way that like pursues the righteousness of God? How do you do that in a way that like fully embodies God's love? Mm-hmm. How do you do that in a way that like literally like um, carries forth all the values um, and culture of God's kingdom. Mm. And I remember just like at this point where it's like, wow, like it feels like such a worthy calling for me to just like spend the rest of my life literally calling out the identities of other sons and daughters as kings and queens who rule over God's kingdom with love and justice. Wow. I was like, wow, I can spend the rest of my life doing that, you know, like allowing people to see that and realize that that is a really worthy calling. Wow. And yeah, kind of practically, I think what that looks like, at least in my life, is really doing like leadership development and coaching for global leaders um, to really like realize that identity that they have and to step fully into that. Um, And so that's really kind of where a lot of the ideas for this organization I'm working on came from. Got it. Awesome. Maybe maybe you should just take over my podcast because I think you're doing a better job in, uh, uh, you know, tackling, you know, the intimate connection between work and faith and how the intersectionality is actually very important and very um, relevant uh, right. to how he, we live our lives, even if we're based off a kingdom economy. And I think you're doing an amazing thing by choosing a line of work that's pleasing to the Lord um, in a way where you're um, helping people identify themselves and empower them and elevate them as not only business leaders, but Kings and Queens and God's kingdom. Yeah. Um, yeah. Man, that's crazy. So uh, I, I, I remember you saying that, you know, that was kind of like the gap for Yali was, you know, faith wasn't really mentioned and especially bringing out yeah. um, our faith, as Christians. So, um, you know, maybe you haven't, you you know, maybe this is a little bit more of a, a a deeper question that can't be answered now, but what if there was maybe someone who wasn't Christian, would you, like, what are the, the scope and the parameters of uh, onboarding these young leaders for you to coach and train? Do they have to be Christian or do they have to be you know, like atheists that are kind of leaning towards Christianity and how do you infuse faith um, in your work program or how do you do so? Yeah, that's a great question. And I mean, that those are the kinds of things that we're probably working through right now is yeah. really identifying. And I mean, this is probably true of like any new startup or new mm-hmm. organization is like identifying what is your niche, right? It's kind of like um, at the end of the day, we can't all do everything. There's going to be a certain assignment or like a certain kind of, you know, portion that is given to you. Yeah. Um, I think we're really thinking through like, what is that portion? What is that assignment that God is giving to us right now? Mm -hmm. Um, And that doesn't invalidate any other assignments, right? Um, It just means that there's got to be somebody else, (laughs) you know, that needs to 
step into their uh, position of rulership, you know, to do that thing. <laughs> so I think for me, when I kind of really think about this journey of, um, it's basically a journey of discipleship. You know, there's kind of this very initial entry point, maybe, um, where maybe like the person isn't necessarily a Christian yet or has never really encountered or known what it's like to be in a relationship with God um, or maybe are of a different faith or whatever. And so maybe there's like this kind of like initial part where it's like really kind of, you know, um, walking through what is the gospel message. Yeah you know, and um, really inviting Holy Spirit and Jesus into their hearts. Um, and then, you know, there's also kind of the initial point of conversion and salvation, which, um, I mean, we can help to facilitate, but honestly, that's, God needs to do that. Um, so, but I do feel like that's kind of like maybe more like um, earlier stage stuff, or maybe, you know, more beginning parts of that journey. Yeah. But then there's this whole long tail after that, which is, you know, kind of all the other parts of discipleship. And I think sometimes when we talk about discipleship, it kind of can have these connotations of like, oh, only like new Christians need to go through discipleship. And then yeah. once you get to a point, you like, quote unquote, graduate from that. And then you <laughs> But that's not true. Our whole lives are discipleship because all discipleship is, is us becoming more and more like Jesus. Amen to that. You know, it's us being formed and molded into his image. And that's a lifelong journey. Yes. Um, and there's so many different parts of, of what that looks like. And I do actually feel like for us with New Heights leadership, yeah. we're probably somewhere in the middle of that journey of, okay, so maybe you have some basic, um, or maybe you're a Christian, maybe you have some basic sense that like, hey, like my faith should probably be involved with my work in some way, but you don't really know what that looks like. I think that's kind of where we come in. Of like, you know, how do we really do that sort of discipleship work, right? Of, um, you know, kind of going from this place of like, oh, these are just disparate pieces for me um, mm -hmm. to going through that process of like spiritual formation where it's like, mm -hmm. oh, wow, I understand like what my identity is in Christ, um, why I do the work that I do. And I have this like cohesive vision of um, what I'm being called to and wow. like how I live out like my calling, like my missional calling in the work that I do, right? Because every single Christian is actually called to missions. Yeah. It's just that our, the traditional ways that we've defined missions uh, precludes a lot of people from yeah. like, doing missional work, which yeah. is um, actually not totally accurate, right? Because it's right. like, no, every single one of us is called to be missional. We're just missional in different ways. Yes. You know, so missions doesn't mean that you move to some like remote village in Africa and, you know, just like spend the rest of your life, you know, like starting a church there. I yeah. mean, that is true for some people, but it's yeah. not true for everyone. Right. Yeah. Um, so what does missions look like when you're working at a, um, you know, tech firm in uh, the Bay Area? What does missions look like when you are a teacher? What does missions look like um, when you are, I don't know, a um, government official, right? So it's like we all carry out missions in the work that we do. Yeah. Just things. yeah. I think a good book that I always allude to is uh, Mark Homer's Garden City. Oh, so good. I love that yeah. book. It's so good.
because mm-hmm. initially I was kind of in that confused state of like, maybe I should have joined NHL if, if it was founded and, yeah. and you guys were, you know, operating it. I probably would have loved to join that organization because it's hard to, you know, integrate faith and work sometimes. And you realize, Hey, if you're trying to go into ministry, there's only a few things that you can do you yeah. know, within 10 fingers. And you're like, well, if I'm not doing directly that, am I not serving God and will I inevitably go to hell or I'm like, you know, lesser in the ranks of heaven or, or something like that. But I think the truth of the matter is uh, kingdom worship and kind of growing God's kingdom is beyond just, you know, going off into missions and staying in Africa and building a church or some school for many years. You actually yeah. have to get a lot more creative and, and realize that the Christian arsenal isn't just about doing that. There's, you know, multiple facets of how you can live out your life in worship of God in obedience of God um, and, and still continue being badass and awesome in this secular workplace as well. So I guess my last question to you right now, Dan is um, what are your thoughts on mm-hmm. modern Christianity current culture and the human condition i feel oh, like you're the person you're the best person to answer this question so. <laughs> i know it's, it's oh, oh, you're gonna have to repeat that question because there were some big topics there yeah <laughs> yeah maybe i could rephrase it a little bit so what are your thoughts on the intersectionality between modern christianity yeah mm-hmm current culture and i'll say like maybe like western culture sure yeah yeah and the human condition i know those are three really big things um man, man, if, oh man. if there's anyone <laughs> who can tackle this question it is you, and you as much time uh, as i'll do my best i'll try my best um, yeah i do think i have a couple of thoughts here um which is i'll start with the maybe the first few pieces hopefully i'll touch on the human condition but we'll see um, <laughs> around modern Christianity um, and uh, and was the second piece uh, uh, current Western culture current Western culture yeah um, and maybe I can also touch on like just like the state of the American church mm-hmm. I feel like um, there is a shift that needs to happen um, in the church and um, there's also a shift that needs to happen in terms of like how we think about missions. Mm. Um, I think for a long time, again, we were just kind of talking about this, right? Like missions has been defined in some very particular ways, right? Uh, Okay, if you're like a long-term missionary, you literally pick up your life, you move to a completely different country, um, you don't do any other work than like trying to, you know, preach the gospel um, and then try to start churches. That's like what a missionary does. Um, And I just feel like that is starting to become a fairly outdated definition of what missions is. Um, And it doesn't allow us to actually integrate all these kinds of different giftings, fields, professions, and all these um, different things that people do um, look like. Um, And so I think that's one thing that actually needs to happen is we need to begin to shift our definition of what missions looks like Mm -hmm. because in its kind of current form, I don't think it's like this like captivating thing that actually like a lot of people feel like they can participate in. Um, But again, 
every single Christian, like if you are a follower of Jesus, you are called to missions, right? Mm. Um, but that can look like something very different. And I think one, some of my personal thoughts on this, and I've always kind of felt like maybe there's going to be like this huge, like, like a new missions movement or something, you know, that we're about to step into. But I think what that new missions movement is going to look like is um us engaging with culture, with society, right? Like engaging with all these different fields that we can be a part of, whether like you are in the field of business, um, startup entrepreneurship, right? In education, in the government, in media and pop culture, whatever it is, right? I think it actually looks like us actually stepping into those places. Mm. Um, and actually engaging and pursuing excellence, right? Like actually like maybe working in those fields, like getting really good at those jobs, like getting really good in those fields. Um, but, you know, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like this concept of like redemptive participation of like yeah. how do we take all these different parts of society that we live in right. and actually like engage and then like allow the kingdom of God to enter those places mm-hmm. um and redeem those places yeah i think that's going to be like a big part of like what that looks like and i think the other thing i i strongly believe is that the gospel should create like full transformation yeah um because when the gospel actually like when we live it out when we like allow ourselves to be like fully like you know just like captivated by it mm-hmm. um and actually live into it yeah. i think it actually produces like whole society transformation i think it's spiritual transformation for sure yeah. but i think also with it comes like literally like economic transformation societal transformation like a place should look different when the kingdom of god is breaking into that place mm-hmm. you know it shouldn't just be people saying different words yeah. um but like nothing else changing right like i actually feel like that's maybe a marker that like those like that place is not or it's not real christians you know (laughs) basically yeah yeah yeah. and um i guess like commenting on just you know um maybe more of like modern day christians i feel like you know that as we step into that i think that's something that we have to begin having awareness of too for ourselves right it's like what are the places that I'm being called to, right? Um, um, are there ways that like our church actually needs to be challenged, right? Are there ways that we actually need to be stretching our faith in certain ways? Are there things yeah. that we are not stepping into right now that we should be stepping into? Right. Um, are there places that we actually are really called to speak up in that we have been silent on? I think this is even a relevant conversation for a lot of the kind of social justice movements, um, or racial justice kind of issues that we are seeing here in America, it yeah. is vitally important um, that we pursue justice as the modern day church. Yeah. Um, and part of that includes racial justice, right? And mm-hmm. like actually like grappling with like the very real sources of um, evil, basically, <laughs> and um, racism, right, that are, like, entrenched in a lot of our systems and policies yeah. in this country. That's, like, all a very clear example of, like, the church needs to speak up about that, right? Yeah. And, like, how do we step into that um, and actually engage with society in that way and actually usher in the kingdom of God, uh, of which, like, justice is, like, one of his, like, core values, mm. right? Um, so... 
Yeah, it's a, it's a big calling, but I feel like it's time for us to step into that. Um, I think we, it, it's, the church has, it, and we, I think we're even seeing it with our um, current generation, right? I feel yeah. like our generation, millennials and maybe Gen Z, like it's some of the most like unchurched generations. Um, and I think, uh, you know, secular society, there's just like so much animosity or um, just misunderstanding of what Christianity is all about right? yeah. and what it means to follow Jesus. I mean, right. again, just like thinking about like social justice, the social justice warriors, right? I mean, like that desire comes from a really good place, right? But it's mm-hmm. kind of like there's a whole generation of people um, where the source of that justice is like misguided, right? Because yeah. we know that the ultimate source of justice is actually from God himself. Yes. Um, and so how do we actually make that connection, right? For this yeah. current generation of like, yes, all these things that we desire, all the social change, social impact that we desire, it's not just like, you know, kind of human moralism, right? Yeah. Um, being the reason why we pursue that, but actually like the true source of all that is like God himself and God is good. His kingdom is righteous. His kingdom is just. Um, and that actually is like the deepest kind of like most compelling way to actually seek that kind of like transformation and restoration that we want to so desperately see in wow. our country, in our nations, and in the world. Wow. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I feel like there's a lot to unpack there. I, I think maybe ah. <laughs> series. And I'm thinking of doing series with people. Sure. And I think this is like a a series actually you kind of inspired me to do now, maybe mm-hmm. in the next couple of episodes. But I think, yeah. you know, some great points that you mentioned was was one, there shouldn't be boundaries, right? Like God and the kingdom should be integrated in all of our lives. And I feel like there's two separate camps where it's like one camp is like, yeah, we should be integrated, but we don't really know how to do that and what that looks like and how we can manifest it in our everyday lives. But two, there's another camp, uh, Dan, believe it or not, in modern Christianity, I feel like it's more unsaid, but it's like, we like it that it's split in two that it's very clean, you know? It's just like, I can be that church person on Sundays and go on mission trips on YWAM and then be this completely different person where we don't mention our faith um, in the workplace or with some of our secular friends. I I think that both of them should be combined. And even if you're doing quote-unquote sinful things, that you should bring it up to God and, uh, and make it a thing of integrating the two worlds together. Um, But... Yeah, that's for another time. Um, but- Ooh, this is a whole topic, right? Yeah. Because underlying that it's like, do you actually believe that God is real and that he, he walks with you every single day? Exactly. Right? That's the real question. But, man, <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming on. I feel like, you know, the past 45 minutes just flew by really quickly. And I I cannot you know, believe that we're already at the end of this episode. Like, no, <laughs> I think the best part is, just flew by. Yeah, I, I think the best part is, is like, it's not just me receiving all this information and words and wisdom and knowledge. We get to kind of bring it out at scale to all of our listeners. Um, and, you know, we have a couple of international followers, so it'd be great for them to tune into to what you have to say. So, I mean, I feel pretty blessed. I think the listeners, saints, um, you guys probably love this episode. Um, so is there anything else that you wanted to end off with, Dan, um, before we end the podcast? No, I don't think so. Thank you so much, Isaac, for having me here. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, just really encourage um, everyone to really just continue pursuing your faith. I mean, the most important thing that we have in this life is our relationship with God. Um, there's nothing else that matters. So, yeah. And you heard it here. Everyone, <laughs> pursue that. <laughs> here on Scenes of San Francisco podcast, episode six with Daniel Fang. Um, please be careful of COVID. Stay safe. Stay healthy, everyone. And happy holidays. Goodbye. Hey, Saints. Wasn't this episode a total gem? Catch you next week for episode seven on the Saints of San Francisco podcast. See you soon.